We are in Yevamos, Yedgimel Amanalev 13a3 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are up to the second Mishnah of the first parak, of the first chapter. So, first of all, Mazel Tov to everybody for completing the Gemara uh, for the past uh, 12 weeks, the Gemara on the first Mishnah. And now we're continuing on with the second Mishnah. This second Mishnah really has three independent parts to this Mishnah. It's really three different sections. And so we'll go through the three different uh, sections. The first section we already referenced in the past. The Mishnah says, We had a list of 15 in the first Mishnah. This list of 15 were the 15 cases in which, let's say we have Reuben and Shimon, our brothers. Shimon is married... Uh, let's say just to make things simple, just to one wife. That one wife is Reuven's daughter. And Shimon passes away. So then there's no mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza. No Yibam or Chalitza is done because uh, the Reuven's sister-in-law is also his daughter. It's, uh, it's family. It's already family. And therefore, there's an exemption of Yibam and Chalitza. And we discussed that in great detail. The reason why we have those list of 15, specifically those 15, is because those are all cases where Shimon, the brother who passed away, was allowed to marry his wife. It was permissible. It was permissible for for him to marry his wife. Not only was it permissible, uh, we discussed in the Gemara various cases where it might not be permissible, but the marriage is actually, it's what we call tzchal, it's a legal marriage. Even though it's not allowed, it's viewed as a legal marriage. But the case, the 15 cases of the Mishnah are all permissible cases. It's completely permissible for Shimon, the brother, to marry his wife. But it's not permissible for the brother who's alive, Ruvain, to marry his sister-in-law because it's Ruvain's daughter or it's Ruvain's mother-in-law, whatever the case is. The, any of the 15 cases... Reuven cannot marry his sister-in-law because it is an immediate relative for Reuven, but it is not an immediate relative uh, for Shimon. The Mishnah now is going to list six cases in which we say that it's not even viewed as a legal marriage for Shimon. Shimon is also related. The Torah says that it's also a forbidden relationship. It's incest also for Shimon. And because it's a forbidden relationship for Shimon... So therefore, it's not even viewed as a legal marriage because a type of, this type of relationship is punishable by kares. It has that severe punishment of kares. Kares, if it, if it has a severe punishment of a kares, so then it's not viewed as a legal marriage. Even if they were to attempt to get married, it would not be viewed as a legal marriage. And the ramifications are that if, let's say, Shimon married, attempted to marry this wife, it did, it's not viewed as a, as a marriage by the Torah, but he also is married to a different wife. So then that other wife would then have an obligation to do Yibam Rechalitza. It wouldn't be an exemption. In the first Mishnah, if it was a case of one of the 15, so then it would also exempt the co-wife. In this Mishnah, because it's not viewed as a legal marriage, so therefore it's only like he has one wife, which is the co-wife, the one who he is legally married to and is not a relative. And then that wife would then have an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza. And that's what our Mishnah, the first part of the Mishnah is discussing. There are six cases. What are these six cases? Emo. So again, these are brothers, Reuben and Shimon. So let's say Reuben and Shimon. 
they share a mother. So then it's forbidden for Shimon to, and it's punishable by Kharis, by an early death, for Shimon to marry his mother, even if he were to attempt to marry his mother, and he has another wife, we only view it as though he has one wife. The, the marriage that he attempted uh, to have with his mother is not viewed as a legal marriage by halacha. Not just his own mother, but let's say his father's wife, a stepmother, that also is not allowed. Also for both brothers, for also for the, for the specific, what we care about right now is the brother who passes away, because it's not viewed as a legal marriage. Ve'achos aviv, his father's sister, again, these brothers, they share a father, they definitely share a father, and it's his father's sister, it's his aunt, that also wouldn't be viewed as a legal marriage. aviv, if it's his paternal sister, that would not be viewed as a legal marriage. Ve'eshes achi aviv, if it's also his aunt, but it's his father's brother's wife. So if you have Reuven and Shimon, uh, and they have a father, Yaakov, who has a who has a brother, and then his wife. So then that would also be uh, a forbidden relationship, and wouldn't be viewed as a marriage, even if they were to attempt to get married. And then the sixth case is... The wife, his sister-in-law, but he, he marries his sister-in-law not in the context of Yibum, but he marries his sister-in-law, the, the wife of his paternal brother. He marries her, after, let's say, after the brother passes away and the brother had children, so it's not a case of Yibum. And then he marries the wife. That's still his, a, a prohibition of his sister-in-law, which is punishable by Karis. All these cases are punishable by Karis. And so therefore, it's not viewed as a legal marriage, which has major ramifications, which means that the co-wife would have an obligation because... It's not really a co-wife. It's the only wife uh, would have an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza. That is uh, the first part of the three parts of the Mishnah. Part number two of the Mishnah. Part number two of the Mishnah is that everything we've been saying until now is really not so simple. Meaning as follows. Not that it was simple to begin with, but uh, it, it gets even more complicated. Because what we've been saying in the first Mishnah, that there is an exemption from Yibam, that if, if of the 15 cases, it, the, the co-wives exempt the other co-wives. If one of the co-wives is a related somehow to the live brother, a, a close relationship where uh, they're not allowed to get married, outside of being a sister-in-law, so then it also exempts the Tsaros, it exempts the co-wives. That is only true according to Beis Hillel. Everything we said in the Mishnah is only true according to the position of Beis Hillel, of the house of Hillel, Beishamai disagrees. And this is stage number two. Beishamai matir not saras lachem. He says that the whole thing is not true. It's true. It's forbidden to do yibam. There's no mitzvah of yibam or chalitza if it's the wife who is related to the live brother in some other way. But with regards to the co-wives, there is an obligation to do yibam or chalitza. Beishamai just, he disagrees with the whole principle. Beis Hillel is the one that says that it's forbidden. And the author of the last Mishnah was Beis Hillel. Moving on to Yigimah and Beis, and the Mishnah even, it elaborates and it explains. Chaltzu, Bishamai says that the, the co-wife would then have to do Yibimah Chalitza, so if she did Chalitza, it would be viewed as a valid Chalitza, with ramifications. Bishamai posts the Minakuna. Bishamai would say that because she did Chalitza, Chalitza is a, a, some form of a divorce. Because it's some, some form of a divorce, she would now be forbidden to marry a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to marry somebody who got divorced. However, Beis Hillel holds that she doesn't have to do Chalitza. 
if she went ahead and did a chalitza, it's not viewed as a halachic chalitza. So she's allowed to marry a Kohen because she didn't have to do... She, there was no option of chalitza, according to Beis Hilla. Additionally, nisyavmu, let's say instead of chalitza, the co-wife did actual yibam. So if she did actual yibam, it's very interesting here. According to Beis Shammai, there's a mitzvah to do yibam. There is a mitzvah to do yibam, so you should do yibam. According to Beis Hillel, not only is it not a mitzvah to do yibam, but it's a prohibition, because it, it remains a prohibition of, of, of marrying a sister-in-law. There's a prohibition to marry a sister-in-law unless there's this mitzvah of yibam. Here, there'd be a prohibition to marry the sister-in-law. And so, if they did yibam, it comes out that according to Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai says, everything's great, because there was this mitzvah for the co-wife to go and do either Yibam or Chalitza. They did Yibam together. It's fine. Everybody's happy. Ubeis Hillel Poslan. However, according to Beis Hillel, it creates a psul. It creates a major problem. Because a brother-in-law and sister-in-law are getting married. And it's it's not within the context of Yibam. Because he's of the opinion that this co-wife is exempt from Yibam or Chalitza. Rashi explains that because they're in a forbidden relationship, so therefore she also becomes... Uh, forbidden to a Kohen, which is a separate rule, that she becomes forbidden to a Kohen if she's in this uh, forbidden relationship. And as we'll see also, if it's, they have a child, because this is a relationship of a brother-in-law and sister-in-law, which is punishable by Kares, if they have a child, the child is a mamzer. A mamzer is uh, somebody that we discussed in the past. It's the child of such a severe forbidden relationship. And according to Beis Hillel, the child would then end up being a mamzer. According to Beis Shammai, it's completely permissible. It's a mitzvah to do. And so they, they, have, they have two opposing positions. That according to Beis Shammai, the co-wife would be able to do yibam, the mitzvah of yibam. According to Beis Hillel, the child of such a relationship is a mamzer. And that is step number two. of that's, uh, that's the second part of the Mishnah. Now finally, the third part of the Mishnah. The third part of the Mishnah... Is a very interesting idea which has many applications beyond just uh, the case that it's dealing with. And the, the Mishnah is going to say as follows. What we just said, Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, they have opposing positions. According to Beis Shammai, the, it's, a, it's a completely fine relationship. It's, it's a mitzvah to do. According to Beis Hillel, it's forbidden. Not only is it forbidden, it's a severe prohibition. The child is a mamzer. The mamzer can't... Uh, uh, the child of, of this uh, forbidden relationship, the mamzer, cannot marry most Jews. It cannot marry... It can't marry... Enter into kahal. It can't marry uh, most Jews. Not only a Kohen can't marry Israel also. And the Mishnah says, Even though they have a, a very serious dispute with major ramifications... That according to Beis Hillel, there's a prohibition. And according to Beis Shammai, it's allowed. And according to one position, it won't be, the child won't be a mamzer. According to the other position, it will, the child will be a mamzer. Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, they didn't prevent each other from marrying each other. That meaning from, from marrying, from marrying uh, different, uh, to, to, to have from Beis Hillel's camp to have them marry into Beis Shammai's camp, and from Beis Shammai's camp to marry into Beis Hillel's camp, they, they allowed it, even though there's a potential that one of the children is a mamzer according to Beis Hillel, but not according to Beis Shammai. And then Beis Hillel shouldn't be able to marry that person. Rashi explains 
that they would still have a very close relationship. And whenever the people who follow the position of Beis Hillel would marry somebody who followed the position of Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai will let them know, you should know that this child, according to us, is not a mamzer. But according to you, this child is a mamzer. Don't marry them. They would inform them. And even though, according to their own position, there's no problem, they would inform the, the, those that follow Beis Hillel to say that, you know, you're of the position that the child is a mamzer. Stay away. And they had this type of a relationship where they would still marry each other and they would still inform each other when the other position held that you're not allowed to, that it, it wouldn't be allowed but their own position is that it would be it would be allowed to marry that person they would inform them because they they respected each other and the same thing is true says the Mishnah when it comes to the laws of tumavatara of purity and impurity the same thing if one position was that such a that such a person would be tame, would be impure. The other position was that the person is pure or the object is pure or impure. It, it didn't impact whether or not they would socialize together. They would still be together if there was some sort of concern for one party but not for the other party. So then they would still inform them and say, listen, according to you, uh, this object or this person is tame. And uh, they would still be able to socialize together and get together because... They respected one another, and they were able to uh, have their own positions, but at the same time uh, respect the other position and inform the other party when, according to the other party's position, there was some sort of issue going on. That is the end of the Mishnah. That is the end of the third part of the Mishnah. Now we will start with the Gemara. The Gemara now is going to explain the, the second of the uh, three different sections to the Mishnah. With regards to the first section of the Mishnah, the Gemara does not comment at all. We commented a little bit on the first part of the Mishnah uh, from the Gemara's commentary to the to the first Mishnah, to the very first Mishnah. Uh, but the Gemara is going straight to the second part of the Mishnah. Again, the second part of the Mishnah said that this whole idea that the erva, that the uh, wife who is already related in some other way to the brother-in-law uh, exempts the co-wife, that's really only according to the position of Beis Hillel. And Beis Shammai disagrees. Beis Shammai disagrees and says that it does not exempt the co-wife. The co-wife would have an obligation to do the mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza. So the Gemara is going to, going to try to figure out why. Why is this? Uh, what, is, what is the reasoning, the rationale behind Beis Shammai's position? And the Gemara is going to give two different reasons, two very different reasons. Today, we're, in this recording, we're just going to present the first reason. The first reason is really based off a pasuk. It's based off the verse and an explanation of a verse. And then what the Gemara is going to do, which we found, which we've had elsewhere, is then ask, well, what does Beis Hillel do with that verse? And it's really like a ping pong back and forth between, well, what are the, if that Beis Hillel uses the verse for something else, what does Beis Shammai do with it? And it's a whole, <coughs> excuse me, it's a whole back and forth. So let's see the Gemara inside. What's the reason for Beis Shammai to say that the Kohif has an obligation to do mitzvah yibam when she's the co-wife of, of a relative of the brother-in-law. The verse says, there's a verse that says that uh, somebody who has to do the mitzvah yibam rechalitza, the sister-in-law, she cannot go, there's a negative commandment for her to go and marry somebody else before she does yibam rechalitza. There's, this, there's a negative commandment. She cannot go outside. But the verse says chutza, that they describe the sister-in-law as chutza. That it, it doesn't say 
it, it describes her as the outer one. What does it mean she's the outer one? It means that there's somebody else in this relationship who's inner, who's closer, who's a closer relative, which is, according to Beishamai, our case. You have two co-wives. One of them is related to her brother-in-law by being, let's say, Ruvain's daughter also. Ruvain is the live brother. And let's say her, his sister-in-law is also his daughter. That's the inner one. The outer one now has this negative prohibition to go and marry somebody else before she does Yibam Rechalitza. So the verse, according to Beishamai, clearly says that the co-wife would then have an obligation to do Yibam Rechalitza. So the, it's clear that the verse, according to Beishamai, the outer one is referring to this case of the, of the co-wife of a relative. So what does Beishel do? Beishel Beis Hillel says that no, when it says we need this verse to tell us that uh, you're not allowed that not only you're not allowed to get married to somebody else uh, before you do Yibam Rechalitza it's an ordinary negative commandment if it's an ordinary negative commandment it's not, it doesn't have a severe punishment then you would think that it's not allowed, but if they did it, if, if the sister-in-law went ahead and married somebody else before doing even Rechalitza, that it's a valid marriage. It would require a divorce document. The verse is telling you that no, Losia, it's not only that it's a negative commandment, but that uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it, won't even, it won't even work. It won't even be viewed as a legal marriage. And that's what the verse is coming to teach you. Something different than Beis Shammai. So the Gemara asks, oh, Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai responds back, Miksiv lochutz chutzaksiv. When it uses the word outside, it doesn't say that she cannot marry somebody from the outside, lachot, to the outside. It's describing her. She is somebody who is outside. Meaning she is the co-wife of the person who is inside. So how could Beis Hillel read it as, it's, as, as telling you that it won't even work for her to go outside? It's not about going outside. It's about describing her as a person who is outside. So the Gemara says, no. Beis Hillel came and said, chutzah. Basil says, no, it happens often that when the Torah uses a hey at the end of the word, it really means, it's not saying outside, but it means two. It really means two outside. And he explains various cases. The Tanya, the Brisa says, It's a principle that we have, that when it has a hey is in the end of the word, it really means to the outside. That she doesn't even work to marry somebody on, uh, that's outside. The Gemara gives a few examples like this. Different cases of where there's hay at the end. Beishamah then responds back. Uh, the Gemara says, According to Beishamah, Where does Beishamah learn the idea that uh, of Beishillel? It's basically this ping-pong and saying, Beishamah, well, where, where's your proof to the idea that if you were to even attempt to marry somebody uh, from that's outside this, uh, that's not a brother-in-law, that it wouldn't work if she if she tried to marry somebody before she does Yibam or Chalitza. So they have a different verse, or a different phrase. It says, to a strange man, meaning somebody who's foreign. It won't, and it won't even work. Even if she attempts to do it, it's still somebody who's viewed as foreign. It won't even be viewed as a marriage. The Gemara says, ah, oh, the ping-pong, Basil, he should also learn it from the same phrase, as Beis Shammai, the Gemara says, hey, he does. So it really goes back and everything. It says he learns it also from the same phrase as Beis Shammai from Ishzar, from a foreign person, that that's why the marriage will not even take place. Even if they were to attempt to, t- to do the marriage, 
This is an exception to the rule because this is an ordinary negative commandment which doesn't have a severe punishment, but it won't work. So, ah, so we go back to the original question, so why do we have the word chutzah? Again, Beishama used the word chutzah to tell us that there's an, she's defined as somebody from the outside. Implication that somebody from the inside, that there's somebody in the inside, the co-wife of a relative. So Beishel says, no, the rabbos harusa. What does it mean she's defined as somebody on the outside? It means that we apply yibum even in a case where she's the wife of just somebody who's an arusa. She's, she's just engaged. A halachic engagement, she's not married, she's just engaged, and then the husband passes away. We still have the mitzvah of yibum or chalitza. So what does Beishamai do with Idach? What does Beishamai do with this? He learns it out from Michutza, Hachutza. He derives it from the extra hey in the beginning of the word Hachutza. So according to Beishamai, we really learn two ideas from Chutza. One is that this applies even if you're just halachically engaged as a mitzvah yibam. And two, you're outside. What does it mean she's defined as outside? It means that there's some implication is there's somebody who's inside. The co-wife, she's basically the co-wife of a relative of Reuven, of the live brother, and that there's still a mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza against everything we've been understanding until now, and against Beis Hillel. The Idach, what does Beis Hillel do with the extra? Hey, Chutza, Chutza, lo mashmeluhu. Beis Hillel does not, he does not, he's of the opinion that just because there's an extra hey in the beginning, we do not derive anything from that extra letter of the hey. So that concludes that whole ping-pong, that back and forth, and tomorrow we will give the second understanding of Beis Shammai. Where is Beis Shammai? coming from to say that the co-wife of a relative really has an obligation to do mitzvah to do the mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza.